listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. I'm Ryan Schweitzer. He's Craig Boschman. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Morning after a road loss in Lethbridge. Bosch here bright and early despite, uh, well, what time did you get home last night? Uh, I think it was just after three because the time change now kind of screws the team over being in the central and playing a lot of games in Alberta. You lose the hour coming back. So normally you get you get home just before two, but it was just before three when we got back yesterday. So uh, crawl into bed for a couple hours, jump right back up and uh, came in to record the podcast right on and coming up on the podcast we got a, a big chat with uh, a very very noteworthy alum ashley buckberger is going to be joining us from his palatial office in saskatoon yeah two-time western hockey league champion one with the broncos in 93 one with the blazers in uh, 95 and uh, something that he mentioned how he was obviously a deadline deal to kamloops that year which i didn't kind of put two and two together that that must have been the jason becker trade because mm-hmm. becker said he was partly responsible for kamloops winning that year because he was traded to Swift that season so I wonder if that was the deal if maybe I think there was a deal earlier that year I think that was the second time Kamloops hooked up and I don't think the Becker one was the big high profile blockbuster at the deadline that saw Buckberger and McCambridge there but uh, but in any event Becker got moved for some asset that helped them win the cup so his uh, his comment is not invalid there a funny story about Ashley Buckberger uh, and, and you know you, you forget how the guys who play for the Swift Current Broncos are always really revered especially by the younger fans in the community uh, this would have been about 05 or something. I had a friend, childhood friend, grew up together in Swift Current. He moved to Saskatoon. He was playing beer league hockey there. And he sends me a message on the old ICQ. And he's like, dude, you're never going to believe this. Tonight in beer league hockey, I line up for the faceoff and I'm playing against Ashley Buckberger. And he just, <laughs> he thought that was the coolest, eh? So you forget, uh, you forget how revered these players are. And, uh, you know, hopefully the guys that are playing on the team this year recognize how important they are in the lives of, uh, of the fans and whatnot. Well, they make a difference, especially when you go to the schools I mean you, it's like it's like NHL players walking into a classroom when they, when these guys walk into a, a grade two class and one of the elementary schools around here the kids are all wide-eyed and jaws are on the floor and mm-hmm. they can hardly formulate a sentence when they're trying to talk to these guys so uh, you know every city is the same way but I think especially in a smaller community like this it's really magnified in that uh, that aspect so uh, these guys I think sometimes it might take a little while to realize how important they are in the community but it seems like at some point every guy does understand that and uh, I'm sure it's something that when they're older and they're playing beer league hockey, they'll look back on and think about too. For sure. Uh, Dean Brockman is also going to be joining us. And I have to say, I've I've been around the Western League for a long time, whether it be working for the organization like I am now or a member of the media. And uh, our chat with Dean Brockman today, I don't know if I've ever been involved in a more open and honest chat with a WHL executive. Yeah, it's it's been a, a bit of a crazy past couple of days for, for the team, obviously, with the, the bombshell of a trade, I guess you could call it, moving Yona Kivaniemi to the Vancouver Giants. And, you know, understandably, the, the fan reaction was not overly positive. A popular player here, an exciting player to watch, but when you're in a position mm-hmm. like a coach and a general manager, that you have to make a move or make a decision that you weren't or weren't wanting to do. So I appreciate Dean with being as open as he was uh, with not only that situation, but also uh, with pretty much the state of the team as it as it sits right now. So uh, a very open and, and honest interview, as you said, with Dean, and, and one that uh, might perk up the ears of all of our listeners. Yeah, and we'll have that chat for you coming up in just a moment. We also have some big nights on the calendar coming 
coming up as uh, the Swift Current Broncos uh, haven't had a home game in a while. Not going to have one until November 16th, but we have had some amazing hockey with the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge. But the Energy Sector Appreciation Night. Big fan of this one. Wednesday, November 20th, the Lethbridge Hurricanes are in town. And uh, it's the Swift Current Broncos' chance to say thank you to the hardworking people of Saskatchewan's Energy Sector. There's different ticket packages available, and, and that should be a fun night as we recognize some hardworking men and women in the Southwest. Well, yeah, I sure like having uh, electricity and heat in my house, uh, so I appreciate all those people who, who do who work in that line of work, and as you mentioned, the ticket packages, uh, you know, you get a ticket, you get yourself a hot dog or a burger, uh, a drink, uh, that kind of thing for much cheaper than it would normally be to come to a game and get all those things separately, so kind of a cool night to uh, recognize everyone who works in uh, that sector of the world, and a uh, cool chance for us to recognize them. Yeah, and, and keep your eye on the Swift Current Broncos social media over the next little bit, because they are doing a special edition, like, hard hat, and they're doing a raffle for that. It's it's a very special item from what I understand, and stay tuned to the Broncos social platforms for uh, for more info on that. It's a loaded show on the Broncos This Week podcast. Uh, as we wind down the show, we're going to talk about a special game to honor the Swift Current 57s as well. More info on that coming up. Uh, we have our featured chat with Ashley Buckberger, and in just a moment, a very open and honest chat with Swift Current Bronco head coach and director of hockey operations, Dean Brockman. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16. We are joined now by Broncos head coach and director of hockey operations, Dean Brockman, for our coaches segment of our podcast. Dean, it's been a bit of a whirlwind last couple of days for the organization. Obviously, the uh, big news that broke just a couple of days ago, I guess we can start off with that. And that was, of course, uh, the trade of Yona Kiviniemi to the Vancouver Giants. You know, it's too bad. I thought, uh, you know, Yona had some good good days here and uh, scored some goals for us. But, uh, you know, in saying that, uh, we're excited to get Sergey. I think uh, we've said this all along, you know, it's a tough uh, you know, phase that we're through because, you know, now we've lost, you know, some leadership, uh, you know, from last year's group. And, you know, you expect guys are going to, you know, want to be better. And, you know, you have to be better as a player in, in order for the organization to get better. And, yeah, it's always an interesting test and time for an organization that has to reset itself and, uh, and try and get back to where they need to be. I guess the first question I have for you, and I, I think a common misconception in the hockey world is that trades are easy to make. And I know that that's not the case. Uh, you know, having said that, how do you feel about what we got in return for Yona? You have to do what you have to do uh, to get an asset or maybe two assets back. Um, we feel okay with it. We, we, I mean, it's obviously not a great feeling when you have to give away a player of his stature. It's kind of one of those things where you just have to do what you have to do and, and get what you can get and uh, and move forward. And it's a bit of a vicious cycle because the team is obviously trying to build back to where they were before, but it becomes a, a scenario where if you try and find guys who are happy here and you try and get to the point where you're able to stockpile enough you know, players or prospects, whatever it may be, to get back to that level is, but it's not a, a quick process by any means. You know, just the depletion of the 02 and 03 age group you know forces our hand a little bit much like what we did last year in trying to get 01s and that's tough uh, you know it's a tough situation to be in and but you know patience and uh, you know what we we've talked all along we feel good about the 04s and and I hate to preach on that because there's more more to it than that you know we've got some guys that really want to be here you know Raphael Pelche who I thought played a, a great game last night you know Matt Culling getting on the board you know playing 
with energy. You know, we're extremely excited about our two 20-year-olds that we brought in uh, with Oster and Kaluski. You know what? Just them being on the bench and the presence in their dressing room is only going to help us uh, help the guys that want to be here and want to get better down the road. Uh, you know, I look at, you know, Hank, another guy, Casper, Morsey, those guys that want to be here and want to get better and want to win hockey games. You know what? I, I give those guys a lot of credit. Uh, they're being distracted by, you know, circumstances that they can't control. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's some good stuff in there too. So, you know, it's not all negative. Uh, you know, we're going to do our best to, to represent the team and, and try and get the players here that want to be in Swift Current and want to be a Bronco. I guess we can kind of shift gears in towards the weekend here. First couple of games against uh, some Saskatchewan teams in the Pats on Friday and the Moose Jaw Warriors on Saturday. Uh, a chance to kind of rekindle that rivalry. I know it's not an East Division rivalry anymore, but the Swift Current Regina one is one that dates back for years and years. So uh, the first rendition of that rivalry for this season, two teams that are in that kind of rebuilding phase. So uh, kind of an interesting matchup. Yeah, I know for sure. I mean, uh, you know, we go down the road and we play Regina and they're kind of in a little bit of a similar, you know, mindset as we are or, or phase in their reset as us. Uh, you know, really, I think each to his own, though, when I say that, because, um, you know, everybody has certain types of players that they want or need to be successful. And, you know, for us, it's it's really, really worrying about us and, and not worried about, you know, who we're playing. I, I mean, Regina's well coached. We know that, you know, John's got some tricks up his sleeves with making moves to marginally get better. And, you know, it, it's great. I mean, it's, you know, you know, we talk often and, and you know what, we want to beat each other too. So that's uh, the great part of the game. And uh, I'm looking forward to playing Regina. I, I think it's, you know, there's uh, a lot of history between the two teams. Uh, it's the big city versus the little city. Uh, you know, I don't think our players quite understand that. And usually it takes a playoff uh, a series to kind of heat that up, but it's always a good game. It's, uh, you know, what? It, uh, it's fun when you're playing David Struce's teams because they always play hard and it's, uh, you know, it, it should be, a, you know, it should be a good game. How's it been for, for the team this week? I mean, we're, we're talking to you after you just got back from the Fairview, uh, being displaced a little bit. Uh, the hockey at the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge has been amazing, and a lot of fans have been entertained. But uh, some adjustments to make for your team this week, obviously being displaced from, from home, eh? You know what, though? Uh, you know, when you say that, Ryan, um, it's been great. Uh, like, the Fairview ice is great. Uh, you know what? The the city of Swift Current, the, the staff at, at the arenas look after us. I mean, with the, the product that they put on the ice, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But you know what? It's it, you know what? We have to go five minutes down the road. You know, you look at other situations. Uh, you know, Brandon was talking to me about this. He goes, "This is nothing," and I was like, "It is nothing." You know, we we we're very fortunate to be able to practice in the building that we play. A lot of teams don't do that. Or if you're in some of the bigger centers, you have to get dressed up in your vehicle and go half an hour down the road and and go to a facility. You know what? We're very fortunate, and you know what? To, to have the product uh, that we're seeing, you know, with those talented 17-year-olds, we'd gladly practice at the Fairview if you knew you could come back and watch some great hockey. Well, Dean, we appreciate you uh, jumping in here. It's uh, interesting times here with the organization, but thanks again for doing this, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. I think, uh, you know, just hats off to you guys. Uh, the podcast has been great, and, you know, to our listeners and to our fans, uh, you know, obviously we preach patience, and uh, you know, we're working hard to, to try and get this thing, uh, you know, on a straight line instead of a bumpy road all the time, but yeah, we're going to have some fun with it. We're going to work hard with 
with the guys that want to be here and, and are proud to be a Swift Current Bronco. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16. We are pleased to be joined on the line now by a two-time Western Hockey League champion. One of them here with the Swift Current Broncos in 1993. Ashley Buckberger joins us on the line now. Ashley, how's it going today? Good. How are you doing today, Craig? We're doing good, thanks. I uh, appreciate you taking our call here. I understand you're, you're back in Saskatchewan working in Saskatoon now full-time? I am, yeah. I'm uh, part of an accounting firm here in the city. Uh, we're... Uh, uh, started about five years ago, and uh, it's been quite a ride, actually, professionally even. It's been a lot of exciting times. We started from nothing, and I think we're up to about uh, 65 people in total. Oh, wow. Growing uh, growing the Saskatchewan economy. That's awesome to hear. Uh, Ashley, uh, you know, diving back to your, your Swift Current Bronco days, uh, you got a taste of the Western League in, in 1990 where you played 10 games, as uh, as I recall, as an AP. You know, what, what do you remember about uh, your first foray into major junior hockey? Uh, I think uh, my first shift I uh, lined up against uh, Jason Prasovsky. Uh, uh, he played at Medicine Hat Tigers. He was about six foot five, <laughs> yep. and uh, had a full beard on him, and <laughs> was one of their tough guys. I think him and I, I even think Cordick uh, was on that team at the time. So actually, that was my first shift in major junior hockey. And I looked across and I said, "This is going to be a long four or five years." That's what I was thinking. <laughs> now, I don't think there was a draft back then. So were you listed by the Broncos, or how did you end up coming here to Swift Current to, to kick off your Western League career? No, I was listed. Yeah, so I was uh, I was uh, pre-draft pre-bantam draft time. So uh, actually, what happened is a pretty interesting story. Uh, uh, Lenny Fry, I believe, came out and watched me. I was playing Pee Wee in Weyburn, or I was playing with Estuaries against Weyburn and Pee Wee, and uh, I think we won a face-off. Uh, and I just took a step over the red line and took a slap shot and scored. And I think. Uh, uh, Lerny, uh, I think he went back to Swift, and I think I got listed, and I, I was about 12 at the time, so I was, uh, I think they called it a three-spotter back in the day. Wow, 12 years old. Like, was that common back then, or was that kind of a rare case for you? Uh, no, there's a few three-spotters around. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was. Uh, you know what, I obviously, it's a long time ago, and I, I can't remember the details, but I think I got listed in November, and then once I turned 13, I think I turned into a two-spotter. Um, you know, once once I turned thirteen in February of the next year. What what's that like as a twelve year old? You know, going to school and like, did you have some swagger being listed by the Swift Current Broncos? Like twelve years old, that would put you in grade six. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it was a grade six or seven. You know, Craig, I can't even remember, but uh, um, definitely it was a great experience. Uh, you know, it feels good to be wanted by someone. Uh, you know, at the time, like, you're you're such a young kid, and that was pre-internet days, pre-social media days, so. You really didn't know what you're getting into. I used to watch, read the Leader Post, uh, Regina Leader Post, and my knowledge of the Western League was really the Regina Paths. And uh, back in the day, that was Mark Johnson, that was Dale Durkatch, reading about those guys. Uh, that was really my limited knowledge of the Western League at the time. Now, I see one website says you're from Esther Hazy. Is it fair for me to assume that you were kind of a, a farm guy growing up? I was a townie. Uh, I was actually right from town. So uh, uh, my dad worked at the mine. Uh, obviously, the mine around, mines around Estrazy, Mosaic, uh, Nutrien, uh, they're big employers uh, in that neck of the world, neck of the woods. And uh, so, yeah, he was an electrician at the mine there. So your first full season in the Western League, uh, 67 games, you, you put up 45 points. You know, back then those teams were really built on a, on a foundation of, of speed and skill. The Broncos that time in those uh, early 90s, you know, they, 
had just come off that Memorial Cup win in 89. So they're they're rebuilding around a core of young, fast players. You know, what, what do you remember about that first full season in the WHL without having to deal with Jason Prasovsky anymore? <laughs> uh, it, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, the Broncos had a great leadership group at the time. Uh, Trent McCleary was there. Uh, some of the older guys, Dean Malcock, uh, Doty Wood came in and got traded later on in the year and came into uh, play with us in Swift, but uh, Mark Stowe, uh, Dan Shustanka. So, so they, I remember just getting treated really well. And uh, um, the, the style of game that we played, I think, was uh, much better than most teams. Um, it was the quick pace, puck movement. Uh, our power play was exceptional. And we weren't, uh, we were probably just above 500 team, if I remember correctly. But I do remember us going in the playoffs and Medicine Hat had won, I think, 14 in a row uh, prior to uh, the playoffs in the regular season. And I, I believe we swept them in four. And, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a good hockey team, but uh, had a lot of good guys. Tyler Wright was there. Um, you know Todd Holt so you know I know we were building for the next year for sure well and speaking of good players you yourself you won the WHL rookie of the year that year and I'm wondering for you because there were two rookies who had more points than you that season so were you surprised to get rookie of the year or was it something that you kind of knew was coming I, I had no idea. Um, it, yeah, it wasn't anything that I was expecting. Uh, uh, I think Dead Marsh out west, and uh, I think Mike Johnson is actually the Western candidate. And um, what happened, though, I think is Mike ended up being an 18-year-old, and I was a 16-year-old as the Eastern representative. And I, I guess I got voted Rookie of the Year. So it was quite an honor. I was really excited by it at the time. Uh, you know, uh, looking back on it. Uh, um, you know, it was the opportunities I got to play that allowed me to get that. A lot of 60-year-olds don't get those opportunities to play in, uh, you know, play power, play time, uh, you know, get a regular shift and play in a maybe play in a top six forward position. And if you don't, it's hard to uh, hard to excel. And I, I had those opportunities, which was uh, appreciated. Now I know you were drafted the following year, but before we jump all the way ahead of that, when you get named rookie, there was that kind of a moment for you where you think, man, I might have a very legitimate future here in hockey. Oh, definitely, yeah. You, you know, you're thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I remember going into the wards in Seattle, and it was uh, myself, Chris Grafton, Alan Alexander Dig were the three finalists, and uh, so I thought that was really cool. And I mean, that year there's a ton of hype around Dig. I think he had over 100 points in the Quebec Major Junior League, so he ended up being uh, Rookie of the Year for the CHL, which was definitely well deserved on his part. But uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that was that was always my dream growing up, even in Estrasi. My goal was to play in NHL someday uh, and uh, you know at that time you know I thought it was maybe a very realistic uh, opportunity but uh, as things uh, turned out it uh, didn't happen for me so. you, you know going back to, to playing in Swift Current what do you remember about the off-ice activity because we, we've talked to guys on this podcast they remember hanging out at the mall on Thursday night but uh, you know that that kind of Friday night lights uh, local celebrity type thing you know what do you remember about you know the off-ice life in Swift uh, I, I think Swift was a great place to play junior because uh, you were under the microscope. Uh, most of the people in the town appreciated uh, and supported the hockey team. And uh, because of that, you know, everywhere you went, you knew people and you, you got to generate some great relationships in the city. Um, and then just uh, 
the fact that you were so close in proximity to the other players that allowed you to, you know, you could get over to anyone's house on any given night and hang out. Whereas you go to some of the bigger centers and it's a 45 minute drive, hour drive in Seattle if you're going from one buddy's house to another. And uh, so it allowed us to probably get together more. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of downtime. Um, but we had a ton of fun away from the rink. Like you said, the, the malls on Thursday night, uh, movies, just hanging out at guys' houses, uh, you know, golf, tons of golf in the summer. A um, uh, lot of great memories uh, of Swift Current. Uh, you know, it, it's actually a, a place that I would tell people nowadays, if you want to go play hockey summer, you'll have a great experience there. I love that you mentioned the mall on Thursdays because I think every alumni we've had on here has said <laughs> the mall on Thursdays was the place to be. Um, you said how the team in 92 was kind of building towards something bigger, and sure enough, the fall year I mean you guys won 35 games in 91-92 you go up to 49 wins in 92-93 uh, finished first overall in the Western League so heading into the playoffs you must have known like man that we feel like this is our year for sure we were deep I mean our our second power play unit which barely ever touched the ice because the first power play unit was so good and they, they take up our a minute minute and a half of uh, ice time um, you know, we had guys on it that ended up playing in the NHL for a lot of years and they never even touched the ice, but, uh, we traded for McCammon at the deadline and, uh, you know, we really loaded up and up front. I mean, we had so much firepower and what, uh, Kryalek and Gerard did that year was, you know, pretty amazing. I, I still tell the story about how I think each of them had 47 goals on the power play <laughs> that year. Uh, not even just the 47 goals, but 47 each on the power play. So between the two of them, they had 94 goals on the power play. They had more than probably every team in the league did. So, um, you know, and then, you know, Schneids came back and he was just simply exceptional in the playoffs and we had a really good playoff run and so it it was you know what that was a fun year of hockey i think for everyone it's you know to this day those are still some of my best buddies and my best memories that are playing with that team and the guys on that team you mentioned trading for dean mccammon at the deadline we had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he told the rather interesting story of him getting traded here and showing up like halfway through the first period what do you remember about that game and just kind of looking back at the bench and seeing dean mccammon on your bench <laughs> Uh, all I remember is Dean was really fast, and he would get three, four breakaways a game. Uh, he was a great competitor, really quiet off the ice, but on the ice he had an edge to him, and man, could he fly. So, uh, you know, just having him, it just changed the whole dynamic of our team, too. I mean, we were we were deep before we got him, um, tons of scoring punch all over the place, but once we got him, we were three lines deep, and we were we were four lines deep, but uh, we had three highly skilled hockey lines that could we could set out on the ice at any time. So uh, obviously, you know that that trade meant, hey, we're going for it, and this is this is the year for us. And uh, you know, he comes in dressing room; it's pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, that team ended up having three NHL first rounders on their roster with uh, McCammond, Wright, and uh, and Bilodeau. Leading up to the the trade deadline, though, you know. You're, you're one of the younger guys on the team. Was there? What was it like in the room leading up to that trade deadline? Thinking like, are we going to make a move? And and was there any worry like with you being a young guy that could maybe fetch a high end player, like maybe being on the move? You know, at the time, I mean, honestly, it didn't really cross my mind. Uh, I was pretty confident I was staying as a Bronco. Um, if I would have got traded, it would definitely uh, would have taken me down a whole other path as a hockey player. Um, you, know, you know, looking back on it, uh, you know, 
for myself. Uh, I, I didn't get traded and it sort of bumped me down the depth chart a bit in my draft year, um, which obviously didn't help a lot. But, uh, you know, just to be ex- just experience that whole rush and the run that we went on, uh, you know, it's something I'll never forget. And uh, I, I'm happy at the end of the day I didn't get traded because, like, today, those guys on that team, Schneids, McCleary, uh, some of my best friends today, even as we talk now. Well, and, and speaking of that playoff run, you guys get the bye in the first round, so into the second round against Medicine Hat. I mean, one of the closest teams geographically. You beat them in six, and then you sweep Regina to go to the final. So, I mean, just how confident was the team heading into that league final against Portland? Quite confident. Uh, we we thought we were the best team in the league. Um, I don't think there's any doubt we ever thought we were the best team in the league. Um you know, we knew Portland was a good hockey team. Uh, we didn't think they could match up against us talent-wise. And uh, so we just knew it was going to be uh, us uh, having to go in. And uh, they were pretty gritty. They're pretty tough, played hard-nosed hockey. And so we were just going to have to match their compete. And if we matched their compete, we felt that uh, our skill would uh, outweigh their skill. And we'd, uh, we'd end up being successful in that final. Yeah, and uh, the old Centennial Civic Center back in the day, it wasn't a big barn, but it was sure rocking for that league final and, uh, and the eventual win on home ice. You know, Winning that league trophy uh, here in Swift Current, I imagine, was, uh, was a memorable night during the game and then after it too, eh? That was tons of fun. I, I still remember it. It was, uh, it was, uh, the rink was rocking. Uh, I always remember, though, game six in Portland. Uh, I think we called a timeout, and uh, it, was at the, it wasn't at the Rose Garden. I can't remember uh, if it was at the Coliseum or not, but it was so loud in that rink that I remember sitting beside Rick Gerard on the bench, and I could barely talk to him. Uh, one of the loudest arenas I'd ever been in. And then I look up in the stands, and I remember seeing Bob LaRue dancing in the stands. He came from Swift. Uh, <laughs> he was one of our most faithful fans that we had. And uh, so uh, that's one of my memories that will stand out from that whole final is just how loud that building was in Portland. And I remember there was gum wrappers. There was chocolate bar wrappers in the ice because they were taking the ice in and out. And it was just terrible ice. But, uh, uh, wow, what a rig to play in. And then coming back to Swift, I just remember looking around and seeing, you know, I don't know how many fire marshals <laughs> couldn't have been there because uh, there had to have been 2,500 or more in that rink. There's people in the, you know, sitting in the stairwells everywhere. And uh, what a great atmosphere to win the league championship in. Well, and I know the team or the, the final score of game seven was 6 nothing. But leading up to that game, I mean, on that ride home from, from Portland after game six, whatever it was, I mean, leading up to the moments before you step on the ice for game seven, was there any nerves going on or were you still just as confident that you were going to win? You know, I don't remember there being nerves there. Um, you know, probably the next game, our first game in Sault Ste. Marie, the Memorial Cup, that's when the nerves kicked in for me. I remember I was uh, on the ice stretching and warm-up, and I was like, I could barely catch my breath. I was so nervous. Uh, it was just a bigger stage, and, uh, you know, you just didn't – there's a lot of unknowns going into uh, Sioux and having to play Sioux, having to play uh, Peterborough, and then having to play the Quebec team. I think it was Laval at the time, so uh, – uh, that's really when the nerves kicked in for me because I think, you know, playing game seven at home, there was a bit of a still a comfort level because you're still at home on your home ice with your home fans there. I seem to recall a lot of Swift Current people, though, did make the trip there. Like, what, was it least comforting to, to look up in the stands, you know, see the uh, the blue, green, and white up there? Oh, absolutely. Was uh, that you're talking about to the Sioux? Yeah, to the Sioux. Yeah, to the to the memorial. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was it was really good. Uh, we had a ton of support. I think uh, I think uh, Kenny McClary got a radar ticket on the way there. I, I, there's, I, there's a lot of fans. A lot of fans drove there actually, and that was a, quite a drive. So, 
Um, but you know, we had, we had great support all the way through, um, as a player for the Swift Current Broncos, it didn't matter what year, we always had great support. And that's something you really appreciated a player, and especially in a smaller community where you need fan support to survive. And Swift Current being one of the, the smallest, if not the smallest market in the whole CHL, it's only that fan support that's the lifeblood of the team. And we had it in those winning years, and we had it in other years as well. Well, and following that year, I know the Memorial Cup dream didn't unfortunately come true for the team that year. But after that season, you did end up getting drafted uh, by the Quebec Nordiques uh, in the NHL draft. So you must have known there was eyes on you pretty much all season. So did you have any idea where you might go in the draft when it came around? You know, I talked to, I did, you know, interest from a lot of teams, talked to a bunch of different teams, didn't really have a good idea where I was going. Dylan Bennett was the regional scout for Quebec at the time, and uh, I remember he came into Swift and he took me out for lunch day, one day and we chatted, but, you know, none of, none of those guys really tipped their hands on uh, what's going to happen. But uh, interesting story, the, the draft actually was in Quebec City that year. And uh, so Jocelyn Tebow went, I think he went, Jocelyn Tebow went 10th overall and crowd just went crazy. Um, they just went wild. They're so excited that Tebow got drafted. Dead Marsh, uh, Portland Winterhawk, uh, same age as me, got drafted, I think 14th overall. And he just got booed. You can, <laughs> can't imagine how much he got booed. And then I went in the second round and I got the same treatment as Dead Marsh. Uh, they said Ashley Buckford from the Western Hockey League. And I got booed, not as loud as Dead Marsh, but almost. It was like, that was my welcome to the Quebec Nordique organization. I got booed in the draft. Even from the uh, hometown fans, just because you weren't French or what? Yeah, totally, just because I wasn't French. Wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. So. Well, and, and so, I mean, after the draft, so the moment when you get drafted, I mean, it's something you kind of work for your entire life. So was was the, the moments after your name called just kind of a blur for you, or do you remember it pretty clearly? You know, it was a blur. Uh, at the time, it was a sense of relief. Uh, just sitting at the draft was nerve-wracking. Uh, Rick Gerard, who him and I were best buddies at the time, uh, you know, played together for a couple of years. He ended up going 46 overall to Vancouver, and we were sort of sitting right beside each other. And so he went uh, before I did. And then so I'm sitting there, and we're in this uh, hot building, the Lake Colisee. And more than anything, it's a sense of relief. Uh, it's, I, you know, obviously, I think if you went first overall or something like that, there'd be a lot of elation knowing you're going there. But um, at that time, there's just so many nerves because there's so many unknowns going into the draft. And last thing you want to do is not go to the draft and then not get drafted because it's just the embarrassment uh, uh, wouldn't be a pleasant experience. How much did it change your, your confidence heading? Because the following season, you almost doubled your goal total. You went from 23 in your draft year to 42 the following year. So was it kind of parts, equal parts of just your growth as a player? But were you also more confident after getting drafted, knowing that, hey, an NHL team believes in me and I want to prove them right? Absolutely. You know what you get the benefit of? You, you, you go and you go to an NHL trading camp and you come back and you, you immediately you're playing at a higher speed. Uh, it doesn't matter at any level. You go, if you're in Bantam, you go play midget AAA. Uh, these kids come back to Bantam and they're playing at a higher speed. It just, it just elevates your game. Uh, and I came back and I think, I think I had a real good start to that year. Uh, I think I was a goal a game for the first 24, 25 games. And um, then I hurt my ankle and that sort of set me back for the rest of the year. Uh, but you nailed it, Craig. You come back, you got a ton of confidence. 
you're feeling good and uh, you know I was in probably better shape than I'd ever been in my entire life and uh, so that really there's a lot of factors that go into that and you know just you know that extra year gives you a lot more confidence not only just being a draft pick but just coming back coming from 17 and coming back to me 18 and just a little bigger stronger and a little more comfortable with the league yeah 40 goals in the western league as an 18 year old and then your 19 year old season is uh, one that I'm sure you remember and just looking at the way the schedule shook down I mean you played a lot of hockey that year like 74 regular season games and then that deep playoff run culminating in the Memorial Cup you know what was that that 94 95 season like heading towards that uh, that trade deadline uh it's a good season that was tom mccollum's first season as coaching swift current um really good coach that was his first uh, season in the western league as a coach um we had a we had a good hockey team we, we were in a great team um we were sort of 500 i think battling around 500 the whole time uh, it was one of those years that you know after my 18 year old year i came back and uh, it was my, now my fourth year in the league, and uh, you know I probably was expecting more production for myself, and it just wasn't coming. And I, they're probably a little frustrated at times uh, with my own performance that year. And uh, it, it started in the summer because I trained all summer. Then I separated my shoulder at World Junior Camp that summer, which set me back a bit. Uh, you know, so I missed most of most of training camp actually, and then I only came back for I think the first regular season game of the year. Um, but, uh, you know, up, leading up to the deadline that year, it was, uh, you know, I, I felt that my mom had moved with me to Swift Current back in the day when I was 15, and I felt it was time, ideally, for me to be able to move on and maybe experience somewhere else as well. So it, it, when the trade happens, is this something that you're kind of kept in the loop in leading up to it, or does Todd just pull you in the office and say, hey, Ashley, we're trading you to Kamloops? No, they they had indicated to myself and Keith that uh, we might be getting dealt at the deadline, and uh, you know I was I was okay with it at the time. Uh, like I said, I was I was ready to maybe go and help another team on a run if possible, and it was the best thing for the Swift Corner Swift Current organization at the time. Uh, we weren't going to really to be doing a lot of damage in the playoffs that year, and you know given that two years ago they had traded for Dean and. Uh, gave up some of their draft picks and some of their youth. I think it probably would made sense for them to try and get some draft picks and younger guys back as well. Uh, so uh, when, the, when the trade happened and they're going to Camelot, so they, they really did us. Uh, it was a classy move on the Swift Current organization to give both Keith and myself an opportunity to go somewhere and Knowing that Kamloops was hosting the Cup was really exciting for us. Well, and that roster that Kamloops had, I mean, you're, you're moving over there. I mean, I imagine it must have been sad for your, your Bronco days to come to an end, but you're moving over to play with Jerome McGinley, Darcy Tucker, Shane Doan, Nat Dominic Kelly, like that. There must have been some excitement there. Absolutely. I'll never forget it. Uh, uh, we left. We got dealt on February 1st, and... Uh, McCambridge had a rear-wheel drive Supra, uh, Toyota Supra, and uh, I followed them all the way to Camelot in my vehicle, and there was a snowstorm going through Rogers Pass, and I just remember watching Keith Fishtail the whole way to Camelot, basically, from the time we got past Calgary all the way there, and I was just cringing. I was like, you know, I was just happy we made it there, and the best part is neither of us, we're both from Flatland, Keith's from Manitoba, I'm from Saskatchewan, I'd never driven in the mountains before, we had no idea, so we just jumped in our vehicles and went, but uh, the excitement was there definitely to get to Kamloops, and uh, you know, being able to have Don Hay as a coach there, who uh, at the time was 
recognized as one of the elite junior hockey coaches across Canada. Well, and, and you played on a, a fantastic Swift Current Broncos team in 92-93, and then you go to this, this star-studded team in Kamloops. So, I mean, how many games did you guys lose after you guys got there? Not many. <laughs> we, uh, we, 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 were, we had a really good team, and we were deep. And uh, probably the difference between Swift Current and Kamloops is uh, skill level is probably um, relatively the same, actually, between the two teams. Because uh, in Swift Current, we had some really talented guys that never went on to play uh, long careers in the NHL, but were highly skilled. Krylek, Schneider, Gerard, Holt, uh, to name four off the bat. Um, but probably the biggest difference is the Kamloops team had skill, but they were also extremely gritty and tough. Guys like Don and Aginla were elite skill guys, but also hard-nosed, tough as nails, as tough as anyone around. And uh, that was probably the difference because Kamloops, we were hard to play against. Um, you know, right from our, you know, all six for D-men, Jason Strudwick, uh, big physical demon that just played nasty. And, and it started in practice. Our practices were more physical and more tougher than any of our games were. We would we'd, we'd practice game day in the morning and uh, other teams would roll in and they'd watch our practice on a Saturday, Sunday morning when we were doing pregame skates. And we'd be going three on three down low, and it'd be full, full contact, full physicality every every time. And these guys would come in, and their eyes are just open. And we're almost fighting on the ice, and you know, pregame skates. So uh, just, it just set the mood for you know the bar was set high by Don Hay, and uh, you know we we were expected to play at that level all the time. Yeah, and and what an awesome way for you to end your junior career. I mean, you you get a second shot at that memorial cup and you end up being successful on home ice uh, you know in front of the fans in Kamloops. i mean that that memorial cup tournament must have been a memorable one for you it was uh, uh once again it seems like my uh, career was uh, scarred by some nagging injuries uh, i'd hurt my hip flexor in game six of the western league final in brandon and so i actually didn't play game one of the memorial cup just because i was uh, uh i was pretty hobbled by it and uh, so I, I played through the, you know, I played the last few games of the cup and I was there for the final game, but um, I played hurt through the Memorial Cup, which uh, I'll always remember because I remember wanting to contribute more, but I just couldn't. Um, but saying that, just the fact that a great group of guys that we had on that team and uh, had such good memories and, you know, there was never a doubt we played Detroit in the final and that was Brian Burrard's team and he was uh, hyped as a really high-end guy and a really high-end draft pick and I think the final was 8-1 for us in that game or something like that. So how different was the mindset for you? You, you talked about how nervous you were before the Memorial Cup in, in Sault Ste. Marie so was it just a complete role reversal when you were in Kamloops? You guys are just you just knew you were going to win? We did. I, I think we did. I mean, that might sound a little arrogant about the team, but yeah, we had we had that confidence that we were just better than everyone else. Um, you know, not just in the Western League, but uh, across Canada. And it, it just started with uh, started with our coach giving us uh, uh, all the confidence in the world, but also holding us to a really high standard about where we were going to be and how we were going to compete. And then, you know, stepping out on the ice and on our home ice, uh, they, they used to, uh, the Blazers used to step out and skate, you know, skate to uh, opening, uh, uh, you know, come out of the dressing room with uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive, taking care of business. That was sort of our theme. And I think they might still play it in Kamloops, actually. Um, but, you know, right from the time we stepped out on the ice, it was just electric. Uh, the building was electric, just sort of like it was in Swift Current in that uh, Western League final. I can liken that to the same thing. That was the same experience I felt in Kamloops because we were at home on home ice 
and we we just felt that it was our year and you know and also that was for some of those guys that was their third memorial cup uh, go around in their third memorial cup ring with pucker and nash uh being there for uh three and four years so it was like well half to those guys and after that you do eventually move on to pro so was it kind of a bittersweet moment when your junior career came to an end i mean you can't end it off on a better note than winning the memorial cup but it was the last four years of your life you know a lot of guys say that playing junior is some of the best years of your life so was it kind of a bittersweet moment when it was all over it was Craig obviously um you know not knowing what pro is going to be like everyone wants, is always in a rush to get to the next level and uh, I was no different I wanted to get to pro as quick as I could um looking back on it though when you reflect on your career um your best time playing hockey is your junior days uh when you're just focused on hockey it's it's a business but yet it's not totally a business because you're just hanging out with guys your age that all have that same dream to move on to the next level and uh, once you get the pro, uh, the game does change. Uh, it, it's still, you know, we're all spoiled to be able to say we got paid to play hockey, um, but it does turn into a bit of a business. And, you know, in hindsight, you know, the, the guys that you have the best memories with and they still stay in touch with, oftentimes are those guys you played junior with. 1995 Memorial Cup ring, uh, where's yours right now? Uh, it is sitting uh, by my uh, in my nightstand at home. Uh, I don't bring it out very often. I'd say for once every uh, couple of years, and uh, every once in a while, I'll just show it to the boys, my my kids, just so uh, uh, they can see it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not something I wear very often. That's for sure. Well, that first year of pro after you signed that, I mean, well, let's talk about signing that uh, that contract with Quebec. When did you sign it? Was it after the Memorial Cup? Was it while you were still playing junior? Well, actually, it wasn't. So, uh, actually, I, uh, I ended up not, not signing with Quebec, and uh, I went back in the draft, and then I signed with the Panthers as a free agent. Um, what happened was uh, Pierre Paget was the GM in Quebec when uh, I, I was drafted, and then uh, Pierre Lacroix took over, and then the franchise moved to Colorado. And when the franchise moved to Colorado, they went in a different direction, and uh, even though I was uh, you know, one of their higher draft picks, I ended up not signing with them. And so when after I didn't sign, I ended up uh, catching on with Florida, and I played in their farm system for a few years after that. Yeah, so so your your pro career starts with the Carolina Monarchs, who are no longer a team. But just looking at the roster of that team, it looks like you had some really high end guys. I mean, three guys had a hundred points on that team. What was your transition from junior to the pro ranks like for you? Worst defensive team in hockey probably that year. I think I think we might have had like five of the top 12 scorers in the league, actually. Uh, Brad Smith was up there. I can't remember if the Harkins were there that year. But uh, just this boatload of talent, but we could not check our coats. Um, we were uh, we were a terrible defensive team. Uh, but, that, you know, that was actually a pretty fun year. Uh, Carolina was a great place. Um, it was actually a good place for hockey. I had the fortune of being there for a couple of years until uh, the Hurricanes came. In. And when the Hurricanes came in, they, their rink in Raleigh wasn't ready, so they played their their first year. They came down, they played in Greensboro, and uh, challenge is Greensboro is that's where the ACC uh, basketball championships are, and it's like a twenty two thousand seat rink. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now that uh, we barely ever filled it uh, yeah, a quarter full, let alone anything else. So it was a bit a bit of a barren atmosphere compared to, you know, junior playing in Kamloops or Swift Current. Well, you touched on being a prairie boy and how it was, you know, a bit of a shock driving in the mountains and uh, going and residing in Kamloops for a bit. Uh, so, so what was, you know, playing in Carolina like for, uh, for a Sasky kid like you? Well, they had great golf. So, uh, <laughs> and we, we almost could golf all year round there. So it was, 
a totally different atmosphere. And you know, that's the one thing I think uh, every hockey player would say is um, just having the experience to move around, whether it's uh, you know at the NHL level, at the minor league level, if you're in Europe. Uh, just having a different experiences and being able to go somewhere and vacation and go somewhere and live is two totally different things. And, uh, you know, having the opportunity to live in Greensboro, North Carolina for a couple of years was, it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, really slow, uh, lifestyle, laid back. Uh, you go to the dry cleaners, uh, you think you're going to get your, uh, suit back in about two minutes and 10 minutes later, they come back with it. Um, just, uh, they're at their own pace, but, uh, you know, having the experience being down there. If I wasn't playing hockey, I'd never be, would have never lived in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, after the two years there in uh, North Carolina, you play in a third American League year with the team called the Beast of New Haven, who I'm looking at their logo right now, which is just fantastic. So uh, playing there, a team that looks like it only had two years of existence. So uh, New Haven, Connecticut, <laughs> how was that year for you? It was tons of fun. Uh, that's uh, where Yale's based out of, actually, uh, university university town uh new haven itself uh it's a bit of a rough town but everyone everywhere around new haven uh, hamden connecticut is where i lived and uh you, you go up the coast to boston or you go down to new york and you have the opportunity to go either way you jump on a train an hour and a half you're in new york city so uh had a great time in new haven uh kevin mccarthy was my coach uh, i got a chance i played with pete Worrell there uh in a guy that was a tough guy uh, ended up being a tough guy in the nhl for a while and uh, met a lot of other good buddies. Hugh Hamilton, the guy that's back in Saskatoon now, uh, was one of my uh, good buddies there as a teammate. And uh, we had a ton of fun. Uh, it was a good, good year. Uh, good hockey team. And the travel was great because there's so many teams that were based right by us that uh, uh, you know we barely had to travel much to get to any of our games. And uh, a lot of good memories. Kevin McCarthy was actually a really good coach, honest guy. Uh, a lot like Don Hay and then he asked and demanded a lot from you. Uh, remember one time uh, I was actually telling this story yesterday to my assistant coach on my badminton team that I'm uh, coaching hockey with and uh, Kevin had a practice. We lost 7-2 the night before at home and he came out on the ice with, with no pucks. And so I thought, oh gosh, it's going to be a bag skate. And then he lines up, lines up at center and he takes a slap shot, but there's no puck. And he looks at the guys, the first five guys we had a drill that we used to run at Sarder Proxy. He says, what are you guys looking at? Go get the puck. And guys at first are, you know, just sort of standing around. And then all of a sudden he says, go get the puck. He yelled at us. And uh, we went on, we ran a whole hour practice. We did one-on-ones, two-on-ones, three-on-twos, four-check. We never had a puck on the ice. So, but we ran a full practice. We, we did passing. We did all passing plays and all that with no pucks. So ended up it was it was a bag skate but at the same time it was a ton of fun because guys were arguing like you know coming and take a shot on a goal and you see you scored and the goal you've seen he's got it in his glove and stuff so uh always be one of my favorite memories of uh, kevin mccarthy in that uh that year uh, I mean, after that, you do go to the, the uh, IHL, and you split the season, look like, with the uh, Grand Rapids difference, but also the Las Vegas Thunder. So I'm wondering now that Las Vegas, of course, has an NHL team, being there as a minor league player 20 years ago, I mean, what was life like as, as a minor league guy in, uh, in Vegas? It was phenomenal. Uh, Vegas is a great place to live, actually. Just away from the Strip, it was, uh, it was a really good place to live. Uh, you know, we, that was the toughest team I ever played on, for sure. Uh, Kevin Kaminsky was on that team, uh, Brad Miller, uh, Dean Ewan, uh, Andre Shrubko. Uh, we had a we had a really tough team, and uh, we knew it. And uh, Bob Strom was our GM, and Bob Bourne was our coach. So a couple of SAS guys also uh, 
were there as part of it. And uh, so there's always good memories because uh, Strummer was always, uh, you know, there's usually a good story or two to be had about for him. And, uh, you know, that was our last year there. And I think, uh, I think our mascot actually last game of the year, we had like 14,000 people there because that was a last game in for the Las Vegas Thunder at the time. And I think our mascot actually got arrested and uh, put in jail that night. Someone said that he was trying to incite a riot at the rink. And so uh, actually true story. I think he actually ended up, uh, they took him down to the precinct or whatever. And they never, he never got put in jail, but, uh, for some reason, I guess the police officers at the rink thought he was trying to incite a riot because he was taunting the opposition uh, fans or something. So, well, and, and with, or, or sorry to cut you off there with, you know, you're, you're playing in Vegas. I mean, was, was it tough to, like, was discipline an issue and staying focused on the task at hand with, with so many other things that, that one could do on a Friday night there? Uh, you know what, we, the guys are pretty good, still pretty focused. Uh, you know what, we play Friday, Saturday, so, you know, after game Saturday night, we'd, maybe we'd go out and, you know, spend some time down on the strip. But, I mean, other than that, uh, you know, you, you still got a job to do. Uh, you still got to take care of your body. I think nowadays it's even more priority as it was back then. So, uh, definitely a lot of opportunities to have fun and uh, you take advantage of those opportunities but uh, you know you have to be smart too because uh, you know it is your job and you're getting paid to play what you do and you, you need to make sure that you're ready for the next game as well I see that uh, in Vegas you were teammates with Louis DeBrusque uh, I'll ask you what playing with Louis was like and do you remember Louis he would have been just a baby then but uh, his son Jake who ended up uh, being a member of the Swift Current Broncos years later you know Craig I think Louis was there before I was um, I I don't think he was there at the end of the year when I was there. I think Phil Crow was there. So, uh, yeah, so I, I actually didn't. I don't think our paths crossed in Vegas. So, uh, you know what? Another, obviously at the time, uh, extremely uh, gritty and tough hockey player. And uh, But, no, I think our paths didn't cross when we were in Vegas. Now, during that season, I also see it says you played for Team Canada International 35 games, and I'm always kind of confused what that means. So what were these 35 games that you played in for Team Canada? Well, actually, it's a, that's a long story. It's sort of been an interesting story to what happened uh, that year with me. I actually started the year, I, I played in the Czech Republic, if you can believe it. Uh, I went there on July 15th, and uh, I was there for a couple months, and I signed an international card with it in the Czech Republic. And, uh, you know, actually got treated really well for the first couple months, but uh, then, like happens quite a bit in Europe, um, ended up, uh, I wasn't getting one of my paychecks, so I told them I was going to leave. Uh, I don't think they believed that I was going to leave. Uh, my wife and I actually, uh, we left at like midnight and uh, uh, we had three uh, guys from the Ukraine. Bogdan Savenko was one of them and they actually helped, helped us. They, you know, they moved us in a cube van and we went from Opava, Czech Republic, which is four hours from Prague and they drove us to Prague in a cube van. We got there at four or five in the morning and uh, we basically just left the team. So and you snuck the problem, problem was is that that was September 15th or was, uh, late September and there was a there was an airline strike going on Northwest Air Canada they were all on strike so we ended up spending five days in Amsterdam uh, you know as a young guy trying to get back to Canada because I was going back to play with Team Canada so so then I played September through to end of January with Team Canada uh, but I got a letter from the Czech Republic because we went back to the Czech at Christmas and uh, they wanted a bunch of their money back and said I couldn't play internationally anymore because I'd already signed an international playing card. And so obviously I can't have a second playing card at Team Canada, which at the time I didn't realize. Uh, so then from there, that's when I left Team Canada to go play in Grand Rapids and then ended up being in Vegas to, to finish that year off. Have you been banned from the Czech Republic since? 
it sure felt like it. I remember going back at Christmas and I was playing there and I was actually a little worried for my safety because I was like, hey, I don't know what these guys think. I think the owner of the team, uh, he was obviously not happy that I'd left. And uh, so I did go back and that's the reason I ended up, uh, they ended up busting me because I went back just before Christmas, before the Spangler Cup. We played a couple of exhibition games in uh, Czech Republic and uh, that's where I got busted that I was already playing under an international playing card elsewhere. And your uh, pro playing career finished off with the Tacoma Sabercats in uh, Tacoma, Washington. Of course, they used to have the Western League team there. So two years uh, in Washington to finish off your pro career. What were some of your favorite memories there? Uh, good guys. Uh, great place to live. Northwest is a beautiful area of, of the United States. Uh, my daughter was born there. Uh, my wife and I had a great time there. Met some really great people. You know, the best part about that is we played in great spots. We played in Arizona. We played in Bakersfield, uh, uh, Long Beach, California, San Diego. So we'd go on road trips and we'd take our golf clubs with us. And on off days, we'd, you know, go golfing. And uh, it was, uh, you know, quite a bit less intense than everywhere else I was as a player. And, uh, you know, I knew at that time that um, obviously my career was as an NHLer was long gone or even the dream of being an NHLer. So I was still playing just to have some fun and uh, definitely did and had really two two great years of experiences there. You know, you, you touched on it that uh, at the time when you were playing in Swift Current, you were really tight with Rick Girard, and uh, you mentioned that you still keep in touch with a lot of guys from your Bronco playing days. Uh, do, do some name dropping. Who are, who are some of the teammates that you had from those early 90s teams that you're uh, still in contact with? Well, uh, McLeary and I are still uh, real good buddies. Uh, we talk, uh, you know, usually a couple times a month for sure. I try and get back to Swift to see him. Uh, Schneids as well, uh, another guy that I stay in touch with quite a bit. Um, you know, same as Trent, uh, you know, a couple times a month. Uh, when he comes to Saskatoon, he'll call me like an hour before he comes in and expect to get together and meet, but he doesn't give me any heads up. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Rick Gerard, uh, haven't seen him a lot, but uh, have crossed paths with him uh, in the past couple of years. Uh, Jason Krylak, by chance, I saw him. Uh, we we're both we were both parents of hockey players now. We're in Edmonton in a tournament, and he was actually staying at the same hotel as I was. And I looked across the table, and we were sitting downstairs having a drink uh, that night. And I was like, "Man, that looks like Christ." So I just yelled out, "Christ!" And uh, of course, he turns his head, and it was him for sure. So it was like we hadn't seen each other in 20 years, but it was like we'd seen each other yesterday. So. Uh, um, you know, so there's a few guys, Keith and Cambridge, I've came, we've crossed paths with over time, but, uh, you know, it's you're two or three or four guys that, uh, um, you, you really get to know and get to know well, and those are the guys you just stay in touch with. Who were some of the jokers and, and pranksters on your, your teams here in Swift Current that you had? Um, you know, Tyler Wright for sure. Uh, uh, Todd Holt. Holt, he was always up, up for a good joke. Uh, one of the best guys, probably the funniest guys I played with, uh, you know, was uh, Kevin Powell at the time. Uh, he was my, was he, was I 17 or 18 the year I played with him? Uh, one of the funniest guys I, I, hands down, I've ever played with. Uh, he came on the ice. I was back in the day when we had a, he, he actually had the head cam going on. He taped a full uh, video camera to his helmet for one practice and came on the ice. And that was back in the day when the video cameras were quite large. And uh, so he came on the ice and I remember the coach and he just looked at him and they just shaking his head like, what are you doing, man? And the guys are just killing themselves laughing. So Kevin, Kevin was definitely one of the, one of the characters that I played with over the time. Um, and uh, Matt Young, guy from uh, New Brunswick, uh, he, he was a he was a character, but I, I don't think it was mostly unintentional consequences that he was a character. Uh, um, but we used to call him Ted, and uh, always have good memories of him because uh, 
he, I remember, uh, I think it was like grade 12 or something, and he wrote an article or wrote a, had a presentation at school on how to eat a pizza or something like that. So uh, <laughs> um, he was just a different guy, but a wonderful, wonderful guy, you know, and it's too bad. It, there's a guy I'd like to stay in touch with, actually. You mentioned so. now that you're you're coaching now. If, if I'm right here and, and Google hasn't done me wrong, you're the Saskatoon Bandits Bantam head coach? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, so I've... Uh, um, in the last 10 or 11 years, I've coached every year in hockey and minor hockey, except I took last year off. Uh, just, it was time. I, teach. I think I coached nine years straight, so I'm back coaching again this year, uh, my youngest kid. So how was, I mean, what was your approach to coaching? Is it uh, similar or different than your approach to playing the game? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I probably asked ask more of the kids than I ever, uh, you know, asked myself as a player. Um, you know, today's game, I, I like to think that it's a puck possession game. A lot like we played back in the 90s, but a lot of teams didn't. Um, you know, I, I prefer that, you know, we never dump the puck in. We keep it on our stick, uh, compete hard, uh, try and teach the kids some of the things that, uh, you know, back in the early 90s as a player, I, I never learned uh, from my coaches. And I had great coaches. My dad used to be one of them. But there's a lot of intricacies of the game that these kids learn at an earlier age than we ever had the uh, opportunity to. I think because just the coaching nowadays is better. Uh, so, you know, and just, you know, at the end of the day, um, most of these parents have to realize their kid's not going to be playing the NHL. There's the odd kid that might get there, but it's a long path. And uh, just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the enjoy and learn from what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, uh, being part of a team and working hard and uh, trying to compete at the highest level you possibly can. Now, I know you've got your, your full-time career with the accounting firm, of course, but uh, is the coaching thing, is that something you think might progress in the future, or are you happy with, with this role you're in now? I'm totally happy with this role. I, I love the game and I, I love coaching, but uh, uh, with what I've got going on professionally here, this is something that I'm committed to and it's a, a totally different aspect, but uh, being part of an accounting firm where we can create an environment that we want to be in as a firm and for all the individuals and uh, you know our staff and our customers as well, uh, I, I don't see myself doing it. I, I, I would love to. Um, my wife probably wouldn't like it if I <laughs> chose a path like that. So uh, I'm think I'm pretty, pretty pretty much going to be a permanent minor hockey coach. Well, yeah. Ashley, uh, thanks so much for doing this. This was uh, great to catch up with you. I'm sure a lot of Broncos fans from from back in the day will appreciate hearing your your stories again. And uh, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate uh, the call, Craig. Thanks a lot for uh, your time today. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Great chat with uh, Bronco alum Ashley Buckberger. What an experience that, uh, what a junior career for him, first playing on that Swift Current Bronco 93 championship team. He didn't get the Memorial Cup in 93, but he got one with the Blazers in 95 and played with some great players and, of course, had some great stories for us. We should have a bingo card for what alumni bring up every time we talk to them because that, uh, I guess that Thursday mall night uh, night trip should be the free space in the middle because every one of them brings it up. But, uh, yeah, great to chat with Ashley for about 45 minutes there and, and always love after they they finish up talking they say oh it's really fun to go down kind of memory lane and and talk about the the good old days as they put it so really appreciate Ashley giving us so much time the other day doing the Thursday night mall crawl back in the day that's just what you did around here in good times Uh, also thank you very much to Dean Brockman for joining us this week and uh, really really breaking things down about that uh, Yona Kibiniemi trade and uh, a big night coming up at the Innovation Credit Union IPLEX November 22nd this is going to be a fun one especially for me because I'm kind of tied to both organizations but it's going to be Swift Current 
57s night. And we've had the 57s be our guests at games before. We've had some fun promotional activities with them. But the Broncos this year going one step further and actually wearing hockey-themed 57s jerseys. Yeah, and we've seen them, and they're super cool. Uh, the staff was was given the chance to order one for themselves, which I jumped at quite quickly. So uh, really cool to get these jerseys. They're going to look great on the ice as well, too. And then I believe the plan is to auction them off in the week leading up to the game, and then the auction kind of closes at the end of that game against the Regina Pats on the 22nd, and half the proceeds of the final bids will go to the 57s as well. Uh, special merchandise, uh, you know, 57s and Bronco kind of co-themed merchandise will only be available at that game. So if you want your special uh, 57s Bronco hat, uh, uh, jersey, t-shirt, whatever it may be, you can only get them at that game on that night. You can't order them online. You can't come back the next day or the next game. You have to come to the game that night and get your very limited edition uh, co-branded merchandise. So that should be a really fun one. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what those jerseys look like on the ice. And and with that, with that big night coming up, I'm, I'm going to throw the invite right now to Swift Current 57's coach Joe Carnahan to be a guest on the podcast. Joe is a very, very blunt and honest type guy. He'd make a heck of a podcast guest. So so let's get him on here in the not too distant future. But yeah, the, the green and the orange on ice. Very much looking forward to that on November the 22nd. That does it for another edition of the Broncos This Week podcast. A couple of road games this weekend. Make sure and tune in to Living Sky Casino Broncos Hockey on the Mixler app, CHL app, and at scbroncos.com. Games Friday night and Saturday night in Regina and Moose Jaw. That'll do it. Another edition of Broncos This Week. You've been listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16.